This is Garnet and Great. The heroes and history of Florida State football. FSU's dynasty of the 90s was built with great players, and the coach in charge of supplying that raw material was recruiting coordinator Ronnie Cottrell. Today on Garnet and Great, Ronnie talks about how the Seminoles consistently beat everybody in that all-important game off the field. And, and how those recruiting classes built the program and, and, and led to success, uh, led to that decade of dominance. I'm, I did remember reading a story where you talked about getting personal and getting to know a player, but also names of, of parents, girlfriends. Right. You wanted to have a personal connection. Correct. Well, in recruiting at that time, there were a lot of guys, I guess, that had different strategies, but I tried to, to listen to the player. I don't know what I don't know why or how I came about that, but I was watching a lot of the other coaches and how they did it. Most guys would call a player, talk about five or six different things, and then he'd hang up and he'd say the same thing to the the next player. But um, somewhere along the line, I started trying to find out more about them. I, I had a questionnaire that I would fill out over a year's time. And I would keep up with information about the guy. Uh, it sounded like it was a sales strategy. It really was. And I wanted to know about the young man. At that time, Florida State was investing a lot of money in scholarships for kids. And I, just, I wanted to know the guy that I was bringing. And it led to a situation where, you know, I got to be very close to the kids that were play, that we were recruiting. My goal was to make it very difficult for them to tell me no. I wanted it to be a situation where, number one, they asked me if they had a question about recruiting or about going to college, I wanted them to ask me. And number two is if it came to a point where we were ready to recruit a guy, I, I wanted it to be hard for him to tell me, no, I'm not coming to Florida State. Now, ironically, through the years, I mean, I was talking to a young man and him going to Kentucky that I recruited the other day, and he and I are still very close, even though he went to another place. But I don't know how it came about, except I'm very fortunate that I've met a bunch of kids and gotten very close to them through the years, and it, it did lead to a lot of success at Florida State. And just throwing out some names, um Guys like Marvin Jones, Kez McCorvey, Derek Brooks, how difficult was it to persuade some of those guys or, or were some of them receptive to saying no to a Florida and, and yes to a Florida State? Again, at that time, our whole process was a team. We had a team recruiting concept that was really great, like Chuck Amato recruited Marvin Jones and just did a tremendous job. Of course, you know, Coach Bowden was so close to Marvin's brother his brother that played at Florida State and family members that played at Florida State. And uh, we tried to get mo multiple people involved with the players. But at that time, Florida State was so hot in the 90s. It was just incredible. We were on television every week. When you watched us play, our kids were having fun. When kids came on campus, our players were telling guys to come. I can remember you know, Derek Brooks, who was such a leader for us in our program, you know, he was he was telling us guys that were going to be a big part of what was happening. Like when they would come on campus, Derek would say, man, we need to get this one. We don't need to fool with this one. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, those guys were just, I mean, they were just very helpful in the process of selecting guys that were going to be really good for the Florida State program at that time. 
we were in front. I mean, Kez McCorvey in Pascoola, Mississippi was, I felt like all along he was coming. I mean, I just felt like he was going to be uh, Florida State Seminole. Mickey Andrews recruited him for, for the school, and but there was never any doubt on him. What what was signing day like then? Because now you you can watch a kid's announcement on TV or you know, cell phones are prevalent. But but then are you really really sweating until is it a fax in, in say the early 90s or or are you do you have a phone call to a, a coach at the school that? Well then then my first experiences well we would go to the signing. I mean literally we would go to the signing and we would be there with the kid but when they changed that rule and said they had to fax it in it was it's brutal i mean waiting until for that fax to get in there and you know some of them fax it in right at the beginning and some sign it and never fax it to you until later in the day it's just oh it's nerve-wracking to spend a whole year sometimes two years recruiting a young man and uh, you're, it comes down to him signing a piece of paper, and you're minutes away from either getting him or, or losing him. I mean, as happens, sometimes you lose him on signing day. We've been fortunate. In the 90s, we were very fortunate. A lot of them came down to the end we got the last week. You know, Sam Cowart signed, Renard Wilson signed, a lot of those guys signed announced on signing date to come to us. But no, I don't, I don't know of any more nerve-wracking day as a college coach than that day was. I mean, playing games against Florida, playing games against Notre Dame, I mean, those are exciting, but I mean, it's just nerve-wracking to be sitting there waiting on a 17-year-old guy to fax his paper in. It's until they're all done. And of course, you always had one. You had one guy that switches on a day that you thought you were going to get or whatever, and that made it a lot more dramatic, but until they all got in, it was very nervous to be the recruiting coordinator at a major school. You talked a little bit about the bell cow strategy, too. I guess Derek Brooks was maybe an example of, of one of those guys who he might have been the headliner, he might have brought in other kids, too, and when people saw, oh, Derek Brooks is coming, I want to play with, with him. How did that affect the class being built? I always look for the guys that had that leadership ability and the ones that the guys were going to follow. You could see them. You know, when you'd have a hundred guys at a football game, you could see the the players that the other players migrated to. And um, one thing that we did at that time, we would try to get the guys come on a summer visit. We'd try to get three or four of those guys together on the summer. You know, Derek Alexander was a tremendous player from Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, Brad Scott recruited him for Florida State. He was just a great man, you know, defensively. He was a great leader for us in addition to Derek, but those guys, had so much respect of our team, even as high school players, they were that way too. We always tried to find out who those guys were and get those guys to help us. You know, try to find the guys that were gonna be Florida State guys that really had a genuine desire to build a program and be successful that would help us pick the right guys. You know, sometimes it's just the difference in a good class and a tremendous class is just maybe one or two guys. And time and time again, those guys would swing the guys that needed to come in. Even Marquette Smith. Marquette Smith is one of the few guys that left Florida State. I don't know that Marquette would have come to Florida State, except there was just so much pressure from everybody to be in this group that he ended up coming. Later on, he left and uh, had a good career at UCF. But um, I think there's a lot of pressure among those guys to 
want to be together and we just tried to play on that we tried to keep get those guys together as quickly as we could and and it worked for us was there one or two guys in particular yeah, that the, were just... the first year the the thad busby was a, a really big name he was the guy that kind of led that group Derek brooks i mean Derek brooks was nfl man of the year you know i mean he just that kind of charisma about him he was certainly a guy but every year there is a guy that uh can really make a huge difference and we tried to find that guy were there guys that were almost near impossible to get, or, or you, you kind of worried that, that a Florida or a, or a Georgia or, or Alabama or whoever? We didn't feel that way at that time, but I think after the fact, sometimes we would look back and we should have been able to see that we weren't going to get that guy. But at that time, we didn't feel that way. Our staff, I mean, Jim Gladden, uh, Mickey, Chuck Amato, Billy Sexton, who was just a really fine recruiter. Billy Sexton did a great job in Orlando. I mentioned Coach Amato. All those guys just did such a good job. And at that time, we had a really good product to sell. I mean, we were going through that time in which we were in the top five in the country for so many years. I mean, it was just when kids were filling out questionnaires, Florida State was going to be one of those top five schools. And I've said this, and it sounds very arrogant, but I didn't mean that way, but we were selecting players. I mean, I can remember Coach Amato and, and our staff trying to decide between Warwick Dunn and there was a Smith kid that ended up going to K-State from Southridge. It was a tremendous player. And we were turning down, we were taking a five-star player and another five-star player was going somewhere else. It was amazing the level in which those coaches were recruiting at that time. And so that went back to the evaluation stage. At that point, Coach Amato, Mickey Andrews, Mark Richt, all those guys did such a good job of knowing what they wanted for their positions and for the defense and offensive schemes and that they were really great evaluators. I think that was the difference. I mean, it's one thing to recruit a guy, but you had to, you got to know which guys could play. And Wart Dunn was a high school quarterback. You know, to me to this day, I, I thought he was going to be a DB. He was so athletic. And all he did was became the greatest running back in the history of our program. But um, evaluation was the key at that time. You know, I really thought the coaches did a good job of you know, selecting guys that were a good fit for there. And then we would just fight the battle to get them. I mean, you know, did we make some mistakes? I'm sure we did. During that time, though, you look back on the success of what happened, I think there was a lot of success. Was there a kid who was maybe an absolute long shot, but you thought, uh, for example, work done was in LSU's city and and probably could have gone there given his family circumstances well jimmy higgins recruited wart done and that's another guy that was a really good recruiter i felt like that was a definitely a long shot but again that was one of those situations where bobby bowden being coach bowden i mean he was such a presence and when Wart came on our campus, I mean, it was over for Wart then. I mean, he saw what Coach Bowden was about and that he was going to be a mentor and a father for him. Uh, but the, the ones that, I mean, like David Warren, David Warren was a young man that, you know, we didn't think we could get, and Jim Gladden went out and got him in Texas. It was a big signee. Uh, I know when Clifton Abraham signed, you know, when he signed at Florida State, he was the number one player in Texas. and. You know, a lot of guys said, y'all not going to get him, forget that, not going to happen. But Wiley Burnham, you know, when he went to the signing, Wiley Burnham was there. 
when he signed his scholarship, and there were five hats on the table, Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, and he pulled that Florida State hat and put it on. That was a huge signee for us. I mean, it was like at that time for us to go and get the number one player in Texas. Yeah. Everybody said we wouldn't get Scott Bentley, and Brad Scott did a tremendous job recruiting him, but we did. We needed a kicker. He kicked the field goal to win the national championship in 93. The, the one thing I can say about the, the men in that room, they were great men. They were hard-working guys, and they represented Florida State so well. But they were relentless. You know, when they set their mind to try to get a guy, they, they really worked hard. Now, sometimes you lose players, but, um, you know, we didn't lose many at that time. I remember asking Coach Bowden about some of the ones that got away. And he mentioned two that came after your time. He mentioned Joe Maurer. Right. Who obviously went baseball, and C.J. Spiller went to Clemson. Right. But during your years, uh, was there one or two that... The one one guy that I really had wished would have been a Seminole was Kevin Carter, who played here at Lincoln. Lincoln. I, I just thought he was a tremendous player and a great young man. We didn't get him. And there were other guys, uh, but that, that was the one that personally that I thought he would have been very good for our program. He did a great job at Florida. You know, you look at the careers of Danny Cannell and Danny Werfel. You know, those were two quarterbacks that came out. Danny Cannell came to Florida State. Danny Werfel went to Florida, and both of them had great careers. Danny Werfel won a Heisman. But me personally, uh, looking back, the one that, that I really thought would have been a really good player that, that we really wanted, that I personally wanted, was Kevin Carter, though. What was Coach Bowden like in, in the living room? You're sitting with him, or maybe you're at the dinner table with the family, and just the way he could interact and, and have a comfort level with, with I don't, anyone. I don't know if there'll ever be a guy like he was. I, he just had such a presence. And, you know, we would go into a place, and, of course, they'd have all family members. It was It would just be crazy because he was so he was so iconic even at that time but uh, you know he would start talking and the room would fall silent you know he said a lot of the same things but it was so important to that, those family members and of course you know parents knew their their children were going to be taken care of and that that he was going to look out for them and help them uh, hopefully get a degree going to the National Football League but w- whatever their future was he was very involved in it and um, I don't know, we just didn't have many players leave at that time. We, we had very, very rarely did kids leave. If, if there was ever an issue, if there were a, a problem or emergencies, you know, Coach Bowden always handled it. It was amazing how good he was with the players. And so the combination of so much success, a really fine coaching staff at that time, and then just him, it was just, I mean, we were shooting deer tied to trees at that time. I mean, we were just, I mean, we were killing it. You know, there'll never be another Bobby Bowden. I mean, it was his philosophy, it was his program. Everything we did, he was he was hands-on. There were times that we were being a, in a situation. I, I was in with him at one time. The young man was disrespectful to the, the mother that was there. And the minute he did it, uh, I could see Coach Bowden was visibly upset about it. Though we had been recruiting this guy for quite some time, when we got in the car, he said, Ronnie, we're not signing this young man. And I, I'll never forget it. He just said, if they're not, if they're not going to respect their mom, they're not going to respect us. And so he just had such a feel for guys, I mean, guys that were on campus. His wisdom was just unbelievable. 
you went to Alabama. Was that to go back home? In, in I, I don't. Was that? I don't know. Um, you know, I really felt like it was what I was supposed to do. Uh, it ended up not being a great move for me as far as my career, but it was it was a very special time. I am from Alabama, and um, you know when I went back there, you know I looked at all the events that were publicized, like with paintings and different things, and. I realized that I had witnessed most of those events. I really wanted to 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 do something great there at Alabama. We didn't win the SEC championship. Uh, we never won a national championship. But you know, Coach Bowden always talked about you know Alabama. He he desired to be the head coach of Alabama and never did. But uh, I had the opportunity to go back and be an assistant coach at Alabama, and I took it. But uh, I don't have any regrets really. Uh, you know, I think many times had I stayed at Florida State, I'd probably retired at Florida State now, but I took that job in hopes of, you know, maybe one day being a head coach myself. But um, I had a good experience there, but I do miss the days of Florida State for sure.